Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy continues with the Christmas story, preaching from Luke chapter 1, with a sermon titled, A Messy Christmas. Why surrender every part of your life to Jesus? He observed his mother's struggles with deep compassion and willingly carried your shame on the cross. He intimately understands your challenges and is with you in your moments of messiness and in pain. With Jesus, you can not only survive, but emerge stronger, bringing faith, love, and hope to others facing darkness. Stay strong and never lose hope in Jesus. Hi, guys. Merry Christmas. Uh, If you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Every single week we talk about what we believe in as a church and uh, these three things that we believe in, hope beyond our brokenness, trust in our risen savior and restoration for our community, they all come from when uh, Jesus opens up the scroll of Isaiah and says that the spirit of the Lord is on me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to those who are blind. And that's what we believe as a church is now the spirit of God is upon and in us. And the mission that Jesus has is our mission. And so everything we do as a church, all of our goals, all of how we hire, what we spend money on is all governed by these truths, that there is hope beyond every single part of your brokenness. You are never without hope, never. And and if you were looking for a church where everybody had it together, that's not this place. Uh, All the perfect people left a long time ago. Uh, All of us have places of deep wounding in our lives, and yet all of us have this amazing resurrection story that as we offer our hearts to God, that which is dead, God and God alone makes alive. Amen? Amen. And so then we're called to trust in our risen Savior, where we learn together what it looks like to, to give our hearts every part of our heart over time together to trust God more and more and more. And that's what we do as a church. We do that together, never alone, always together. Ain't nobody perfect at this journey called faith. We learn how to do it together. And then finally, we bring restoration right where we are. And you don't have to have a doctorate or a master's or have a theological degree in order to participate. God wants us to participate right now in what he's doing. And so you might not think that the couple dollars you give for change to a dollar makes any difference. Yeah, it does. Maureen's life was changed because Andrea said, listen to God and said, and God said, touch Maureen. And you have people in your lives. Maybe they're the servers at the restaurants you go to. Maybe they're the people that help in your house. Maybe they're your neighbors. Maybe they're your friends where God wants you to use you as a blessing. And so that's what we do. And we do that beyond change for a dollar. We do that in so many different ways. But I'm just so grateful for you. Each one of these truths has a choice that we make every single day. You don't fall into faith like you're falling into a hole. You got to choose it, right? And so every single day that we're together on Sundays, we make this choice. And this is a choice that that I'm hoping to encourage you to make every single morning and every single afternoon and every single evening. And we declare this together. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. 
So that's what we believe as a church. And so, uh, man, this is so much fun. And I can't wait till next week. All the lights will be off and we'll have our candlelight service in the morning. And so that way you can have the evening with your family. Isn't that be great? And then Santa will come. <laughs> and I cannot wait for Santa to come. Um, have any, has anybody ever watched a Hallmark Christmas movie? Anybody? Okay. If you have not watched a Hallmark Christmas movie, I encourage you to do so because they are amazingly cheesy and wonderful all at the same time. So uh, Debbie Fries, our minister of Razzle Dazzle, Dave, her husband, is a dear friend of mine. Dave's on the bomb squad. Currently, right now, he's sitting in freezing water somewhere trying to hunt for ducks. Um, he's worked as a, in Fresno Police Department as a, in human trafficking for 15 years. Uh, this is a dude's dude, a man's man, and he watches Hallmark Christian movies. <laughs> and when I walk into the house and he'll be sitting there watching Hallmark Christian music, tears will be coming down his face. And I'm like, Dave, what are you doing? He's like, I just can't stop it. <laughs> And it cracks me up. And literally, every it doesn't matter which Hallmark Christmas movie you watch, they are all the same. Okay? Uh, and it usually goes like this. A surprisingly good-looking man or woman uh, comes from home from their high-paying job in the city uh, to help rescue the failing family business in this quaint small town where they grew up. And unexpectedly, they fall in love, not at first with the person that they thought that they knew, but all of a sudden took their breath away. And usually they fall in love as they play somehow in the snow and discover that their soulmate is there that they had often overlooked. And then there's always a moment where usually in a multi-generational setting with a roaring fire and a Christmas tree and snow falling in the background, as they're placing the ornament on the tree, they'll look into each other's eyes and they'll realize, I'd rather be poor and with you than successful and rich and alone in the city. And then there's always seven minutes after that moment in which the business that was failing succeeds and the, the family issue is solved and marriage and children and that's the end of the movie. I love these movies because, right, like within, I think it's 93 minutes. In 93 minutes, or maybe 94, it's almost exactly the same length at every time. Um, by the end of that 93 minutes, everything is neat and tidy and all like perfectly wrapped up in a bow. And the first Christmas was not neat and tidy. And I have never met a Christmas since that has ever been neat and tidy. Uh, I don't know what it is, but Christmas is always messy in my life. It was messy for Mary and Joseph, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Last week was Joseph's story. This week is Mary's story. Uh, and the first Christmas is about a 14-year-old girl who is still teaching me to this day how to hold on to Jesus and how to hold on to my faith in him no matter what, what it looks like to live through the mess and to keep our hearts so I have a question for you. Do I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts this morning? Can I have permission to speak to the part of your heart 
that has let go of Jesus because it's just been brutal lately? Can I, have, can I speak to that part of your heart? Can I speak to the part of your heart that's still holding on faithfully even though you're so tired? Awesome. Can I pray for us then? Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place with your goodness. Jesus, bless us with your presence. And we speak to our own souls right now and we say, awaken, O my soul. Let us hear your voice, God. And thank you that you're with us, Jesus. And we just bind in silence anything opposed to Christ that's on me or us now in Jesus' name. Not the day, devil. We had camels in church. Leave and go to Jesus to be judged. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so you're probably familiar with this story. You just watched it, but we'll read it just in case together, in case you forgot. Are you ready? Here it is. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now who's Elizabeth? That's Mary's aunt. She's, according to Zed last week at the Christmas dinner, she's 130 years old. In reality, Elizabeth and Zachariah were just about to retire, right? They played golf on the weekends together. They enjoyed their wine club. They had booked their cruise. And in the sixth month of, and then Elizabeth gets pregnant. God sent the angel, read with me. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man, Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So this is a a crazy story. Uh, Let me give you some context. Galilee is a very specific region. Remember Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is basically the same size as Lake Tahoe, okay? From Galilee to Jerusalem is 90 miles, okay? From here to Santa Barbara is 90 miles, okay? So Elizabeth lives in Jerusalem. Mary lives in Lake Tahoe. But specifically, she lives in a town, and the town is called Nazareth, Nazareth is a three-trailer park town. Nazareth is Oceano. There are three trailer parks in Oceano. Half of us live in Oceano. Fine. Nazareth is Oildale, right? Okay. Mary, Mary's a 14-year-old girl, right? who lives, right, in Carruthers. For those of you who are in Fresno, right? Okay? Right? Stratford, the town that you pass after Kettleman on the 41, that smells. That's where the smells start. That's Nazareth, okay? She's 14, right? She's dirt poor. And this is what happens next. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Ain't nobody who lives in Stratford or Oildale thinks they're highly favored. Okay? Greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Yeah, you would too if a 25-foot-tall angel showed up and said, Hey, you're highly favored. Now, highly favored in that day and age, just like in this day and age, usually came with a connotation of some sort of financial success or stability. So Mary living in a trailer park at 14 years old thinks to herself, Are you ta- did you find the right person? 
right? Now, I don't know if Mary got freaked out. Maybe she laughed. Maybe she wintered under her breath. I'm not highly favored. I'm not sure. But we do know what the angel says next. And she said, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. So clearly she was freaked out somehow, right? You will have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And Mary immediately thinks, well, that's nice. I got confirmation that Joseph and I are going to have a boy after we get married. This is great. That's awesome. The angel wants me to call him Jesus. Fair enough. But then the angel keeps on going. Verse 32, he will be great and be called the son of the most high. At that point, Mary goes, huh? As a good Jewish girl, she knew what son of the most high meant. And that meant Messiah, a.k.a. savior of the world. Messiah is the Hebrew word. Christos, or Christ, is the Greek word, right? They both mean the same thing, the Savior, right? The one who's going to fix everything in the nation of Israel and the whole world, okay? On top of that, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Huh, my boy's going to be king. How many presidents of the United States have ever been born in Oildale? <laughs> Not many, Kings back in this day were, their children became kings. Mary's like, I'm not a queen. Joseph is not a king. How's this going to work? By the way, Herod, who was on the throne at this time, had just killed his third son. He had killed the first two as well, all who were in line to be king. So Mary's like, uh, what? And then the angel says, and Jesus will reign over Jacob's descendants. What? And his kingdom will never end. So this is a lot to take in. Mary's like, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, whoa. My son's going to be king, but then he's also going to be the son of the Most High. So all of a sudden, these revelations start hitting Mary. Boom, boom, boom. I don't know if you've ever been 14, but my, my central processing unit when I was 14 was not fast, right? <laughs> Mary is going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then the kicker, the shocker of it all for Mary is that when the angel's like, you're gonna have a baby, the son of the, mo God is gonna give you a child. What Mary realizes is that this child isn't coming after Joseph and her get married. It's happening now. Now. Which makes, I mean, that'd be crazy, right? Verse 34, so Mary asked an important question. Um, what? How, how's this gonna be? Right? Since, you know, I'm a virgin and stuff. And the angel has an answer straight from the book of Genesis. If you were a Jew and you, you knew Genesis really well as a, as a Jewish person, the words that the angel says are the same words that's in Genesis chapter 1. And the angel says the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the idea there, the word there is almost like fluttering over like a dove. It's the same word that's used when the dove, when the Holy Spirit hovers over the water, same word. Does that make sense? 
Genesis 1, when the earth was formless and without void and the Holy Spirit came upon the earth, same word. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Again, same word. Holy Spirit creating something out of nothing. And so the Holy One to be born would be called the Son of God. Now, Mary knew that this was going to sound crazy to everyone, right? It's one thing to become pregnant out of wedlock. It's another thing to say, God beamed my baby into me, right? (laughs) Right? And then everybody's response would be, Mary, you need like some rest, right? Let's get you, in fact, let's get you three days of rest, whether you like it or not. This amazing hotel, it's called a 5150 hotel. (laughs) And you're going to get food and water and meds. And for three days, we're just going to make sure you rest, right? So then the angel says something even crazier, right? And even Elizabeth, who's 130 years old, not really, she's probably more like 70, is going to have a child in her old age. And read with me. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God wherever fail. God doesn't fail. God's promises doesn't fail. Now, at this point, in most of my sermons that I would tell you this perfect miracle or perfect blessing story and about how this miracle, this story matches up with all of God's promises just at the right time, just like at the Hallmark movies with the snow fluttering in the background, and then we'd pray and sing together, and you'd walk out, and you'd go, wow, that was so fun. How about them camels? Um, <laughs> but not this year. I want to I put you in Mary's shoes. I want you to take a moment and just put yourself in Mary's shoes. She's going to be a mom. And no matter how you slice it, whether Joseph is there or not, she's going to sound crazy. She's going to be that woman that everybody looks at for years to come and silently judges. Either she's crazy Mary, or she's Mary who couldn't wait until marriage and had a child out of wedlock Mary. Either way, she's going to be judged for the rest of her life. Mary, in one moment, has become the insider to God's plan and the outsider to everybody else that she's known, even her family. Mary is going to have to deal with shame that she did not earn nor deserve for the rest of her life. Shame is a terrible thing to carry. It's that feeling like you're tainted, like you're stuck, like you're never going to be free from your past. It's crushing. And so many of us walk around with a feeling like we're imposters, like if someone found out who we were or what we've done, that that would be it. And so what what do we do? We stay away from community. We stay away from church. We stay away from being known because we we don't want to tell our stories. We don't want to say, this is what happened to me. This is how I was hurt. This is how I was abused. We don't want to say, this is what I did that I'm so ashamed of that I I can't even believe I did this, but this is what I did. We don't want to tell that story because we don't want people to truly see us because we don't want their response to our wounding. That either we're, we don't want them judging us. We don't want them to see 
our nakedness or our rebellion or our failures. We don't want to be seen and that shame. Please don't look at me. And so we hide. I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, everything's great. Right? Let me pump up inflatable Andy. How you doing? Oh, I'm amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. What do we do when we shame others? We hide them. Right? They're coming over. Don't you dare talk about that. They're coming over. Clean up your room. Hide all your stuff. Pretend like you're perfect. Oh, they're coming? Oh, I don't want them. Can we hide them somewhere else? Can we hide them from other people? We exclude them. We say to them, you can't be here. We isolate them by not talking to them or sharing with them. We push people out that we don't want their story. We don't want to see them. Now, here's the thing about Mary's shame. It's not like shame I can hide and pretend that it didn't happen to me. And when you say, how are you? I say, I'm fine freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, but that doesn't matter. I'm good, right? That's what fine means, right? right? But Mary has a shame that she cannot hide. Anybody ever tried to hide being pregnant? Don't work. Anybody ever tried to hide a baby? It don't work. They grow up, right? You try and prevent your three-year-old in a grocery store from looking at someone and saying, why are you so ugly, right? Like my three-year-old did in a grocery store, right? You can't hide kids. They just blurt that stuff out. I mean, yes, you yell at them, but that doesn't mean that they stop, right? So what are people going to do to Mary if she can't hide? Well, they're going to hide her. They're going to push her out. They're going to make her leave. No, Mary, I don't want what's happened to you. Either you're crazy or you're rebellion. I don't want that near me, and so I'm going to push you out. No, your kids can't play with my kids. No, you can't come to my parties. No, you can't be a part of my small group. No, you can't come to church. Stay away, Mary. I don't want you tainting or infecting me. That's what we do with others when we shame them. The first Christmas is so messy, y'all. It's not a Hallmark movie. And Mary's response, which is crazy, that she's 14, and this is her response. This is what makes her my teacher to this day. What does Mary say? She can see all of this laid out. She knows all of this is going to happen. No matter what, any way she slices it, she's going to carry shame. What does she say to the angel? I'm the Lord's servant. What? God, do you want me to be misunderstood for my entire life so that I do your will? Okay. God, do you want me to carry this? Not alone. You're with me, God, but no one will truly understand me. Okay. God, do you want me to bear this? Okay. The angel says, God will never fail. And Mary goes, may your word, your promise that you won't fail me, may it be fulfilled. That's what a 14-year-old girl says. Then the angel left. That's us. In the middle of your mess, 
We say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours if I'm misunderstood. Jesus, I'm yours if I'm judged. Jesus, I'm yours when I fail. I'm yours when I succeed. I'm yours when I'm so broken that I can't find my way out of the darkness. I'm yours when I feel hopeless and like everything and everyone I love the most is lost. I'm yours when I don't know what's going on or what's gonna happen. Jesus, I'm yours. That was me this week. I preached this sermon a couple weeks ago on anger. I don't know if you watched it or not or were here for it or not. I know it made a big impact on you. It made a big impact on me. And anger is this uh, tool that we use. We don't really know how to use, but we try and get stuff done with our anger. And when I realized in, afterwards in that sermon was that for years I had been trying to push hopelessness back in my life to keep it away by being angry so that I could get stuff done. That's a very guy thing to do. And when I realized it's actually a very girl thing to do too, it's a human thing. I can't fix this situation in my life. I can't fix these people. I can't fix this disability. I can't fix this diagnosis. I can't fix this addiction. I can't fix this dynamic. It's theirs, it's not mine. I can't fix their dying. I can't fix their death. I can't fix this situation. And so that feels so hopeless to me. And so my response is, I'm gonna make something happen. And how do I make something happen really effectively? Oh, I get mad. Go, stop, not now, yes, come here. Anger is a great way to get things done quick. And once I let go of my anger, you know what happened in my life this last week? These last two weeks, hopelessness just roared in and flattened me. And I didn't even know it was happening. And just slowly over the last two weeks, I've just been giving up and giving up on myself. I didn't realize it until all of the people around me were like, Andy, what is wrong? And I'm like, nothing, I'm fine. I'm really good. Can't you believe my pretending? Because I didn't want the shame of saying I feel hopeless. That's exactly how I felt the last two weeks. Until this last week, Jesus said, Andy, listen to Mary. And I got to join Mary and say, well, a 14-year-old girl is going to be my teacher. Jesus, I'm yours. And then it lifted. Fast forward in Mary's life. Where were her parents when Jesus started her min- his ministry? I don't know about you, um, but as grandparents... If you're a grandparent, it's pretty exciting when your grandkids does something spectacular. You'd show up for that, right? Like maybe when they're in a play at church. All of Mary's family wasn't there. They weren't there for any of it. None. When Jesus opened up the scroll of Isaiah in his hometown of Nazareth and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me, and then he closed the scroll and he sat down and he went, to his family, his literal blood family. And he said, today in your presence, this is fulfilled. Do you remember what they tried to do to him? They tried to kill him. They tried to throw him off a cliff. When Jesus started his ministry and he was healing people and Mary shows up, Jesus' brothers and sisters, it says this in the book of Mark, 
came to him and said, Jesus, no, it's Matthew, sorry. They came to him and said, Jesus, you're crazy. I mean, it'd be hard being Jesus's brother, maybe, because maybe Mary and Joseph were like, why, why, you know, just, what would Jesus do, James? Come on now, (laughs) right? But when all of Jesus's own brothers and sisters, Mary's own kids, not to mention her extended family, but her own children, when they saw Jesus doing what he was doing, they all thought that he was crazy. And therefore, Mary, because Mary believed in Jesus, Where was Jesus? Where was Mary's family when Jesus was on the cross? Because if your kid's dying, your family's going to show up for you, right? Right? Mary was alone. She was utterly alone to the point when Jesus hanging on a cross says to Mary, John, the only kid in the youth group is now going to be your son. John, this is now your mom. Because Jesus knew Mary had nobody else in her family because her entire life she'd been shamed. And I don't know, but I'm th- I think this is right. I don't know. I can't prove it to be right. But why does Jesus over and over and over again, every time he heals a woman, why does he then publicly lift her shame? Why? Because he looked at his mom, who for her entire life, lived with other people putting shame on her. Look, God loves you so much. I'm so proud of this church. We do not shame anybody for where they are. I don't care if you've limped in here after a raging party last night, I want you here. I don't care if you barely believe or don't believe at all. I want you here. I don't care if your life is a hot mess. I want you here. If your life is fantastic and put together and you're living in the success of decades of great choices, I want you here because we have blessings to give to one another. We have gifts to give to one another. It's ourselves. And the God of the universe suffers for you in the places of your deepest wound. Suffering for you, Jesus is your redeemer. Suffering with you, Jesus is your comfort. Walking beside you, Jesus is your wisdom and your counsel. Loving all of you, Jesus is your savior. So don't don't quit. Don't hide. I'm in the middle of this dark place this last week, and Denise, our children's minister, she texted me, and she she says, Andy, get your mojo back. (laughs) When she texted me that, I was mad. I was like, back off, Denise. (laughs) I mean, I didn't text that, but I just thought that, right? (laughs) And then Denise says this, Jesus hasn't quit on you, Andy. Don't you quit. Don't give up. Don't give up on that person that you're supposed to love. Don't give up on that situation that you feel is hopeless. Don't give up on yourself. You have no idea how strong you are. You have no idea how strong and powerful you are. God gives you the things in your life that you will bear. You know that saying, God can't give you more than you can handle? What a lie from the pit of hell. (laughs) 
Like, what? That's so dumb. Who can handle their spouse's affair? Who can handle their child's death? Who can handle their brother or their sister getting sick and diagnosed? Who can handle lost job? Who can handle being crushed by something? No one can. No one can. But you can with Jesus. And y'all, it's not going to be a Hallmark movie. It's going to be messy. You're going to have days when you feel totally helpless. You're going to feel have days when you don't have any faith at all, and other people will believe for you. You're going to have days when you cannot hold it together. You're going to have days when you are emotional and you are just screaming and yelling at people that you love. You're going to have days where you can't walk two steps without falling flat on your face. And you're going to have amazing days as well. You're going to have days of victory, days where you've got all your mojo and you're feeling good. (laughs) You're going to have it all on these days because the journey of faith with Jesus isn't Everything's better and fantastic all the time. It's ups and it's downs. It's being 14 and pregnant out of wedlock in Oildale. (laughs) And it's also watching the King of Kings show up in your life and love you with miracles and provision at just the right time. You're so much stronger than you think. You have Jesus with you, and you are able to stand up and bear under the weight that God has you to carry. And you're also able to do that at the same time, helping and loving other people. So don't forget, you are spectacular. You know, in the book of Luke, Mary, when she bore God, the word in Greek that was used is theotokos. Not that she was pregnant, but that she carried Jesus with her. That's what Theo, God, takos, to carry means. She carried Jesus with her. That's you. You carry Jesus with you in every place you go. I love you guys so much. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for changing Maureen's life this last week. Janice has got a story in second service about how another woman's life was dramatically changed because of you. Thank you for loving these kids. Thank you. Thank you for being so amazing. I love you and appreciate you all. So Jesus, would you bless and seal the hope that we have in you in our hearts? Would you bless and seal the joy that we have in our hearts in you? God, I pray strength for each one of my friends here in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls. Thank you that Christmas is coming. And God, for every person here that will face a hot mess around the Christmas time because of crazy family or there's not enough time or there's not enough money or there's not enough hours in the day, I pray for joy and trust and hope. And I pray against the shame that anyone's carrying right now in the name of Jesus. I pray the truth over each one of our own souls that we are loved, and though we've made mistakes, we are not a mistake. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And all God's beloved children said, Amen. You guys, we have great food for you. Would you stand for the benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. You guys have a great week. Merry Christmas if we don't see you next week. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.